Good morning. How are we? Good, good. Ready for the 4th of July? Listen, I wish y'all would calm down, okay? You're making me nervous up here. Can't, oh, now I'm breaking stuff. You, I don't know if you could see it in the dark, but coming through that little pathway there, I almost had a nice little tumble. Uh, it would have been really fun to start with me on laying on my face groaning um, because I was in pain. Um, today, we start a new series, and I am really excited to get to hang out with you guys for the next couple weeks. Um, but we're starting a series on parenting, and, um, and we called it Rewrite because I wanted um, us to process how we can rewrite the story of, of how, um, how we parent and what we're concerned about. And so I know that for some of you in here, this is going to become something, this is going to be something that is very natural for you, and, and you're going to sit here and you're going to be bored and um, you're going to hate me. But uh, for the most of you guys, if you're a parent, this should apply, and if you have a parent, this should apply. See what I did there? Because everybody has a parent. Yeah, I played that in. You didn't even realize, did you? Um, and so uh, I think that we can, all of us can take something from this. Um, I, I remember uh, May 22nd, December, or May 22nd, December. That doesn't make any sense. May 22nd, 2002. That was the day that my life changed forever. That was the day that I met my firstborn child, Michaela Miller. And uh, she came into this world, um, and she was beautiful, and I was captivated, and I knew from the moment I laid eyes on her, the moment I held her, that I loved her in a way I would never, ever be able to love anything else ever again. And, and to that day, me and Michaela have had a very close bond. Nine years later, she just turned nine, um, and, and uh, a total of four kids, three brothers and sisters, um, uh, we are now a family of six which is awesome when you go into a restaurant and they look at you like, you're not really bringing them in here, are you? Or um, you walk in and they go, the to-go is over there because y'all are going to be noisy. Um, and so I, I love, love, love being a parent. Um, I didn't always like being a parent. I, I loved my children. I would have done anything for my children, but I didn't like the responsibility that came with being a parent. Uh, I was uh, I was I was the ripe old age of 17 when I had my first child, and so um, I didn't understand responsibility to begin with, much less the responsibility of having a child. But as I grew and I got older, I realized that parenting is more about relationship than it is ob- obedience and rules and getting them to do what I want them to do, and, and it's more about building a relationship with them and fighting for their heart. And that's what I want to talk about today: is how you can begin to fight for your child's heart. Because here's what happens a lot of times, and it's not on purpose. It's what, it's what I like to call a natural drift. We like for our kids to obey us, right? Uh, and don't misunderstand anything I say, okay? I'm a big obedience guy. If my wife was sitting in here, I, I tow the line of rules usually too much. Um, I'm a very big, I, you know, I hate when I say don't do something and they ask me why. It sends me, it, it enrages me. Why? Because I said so. I don't have to. I shouldn't have to give an answer. This isn't. This isn't a uh, uh, a democracy. This is a straight up dictatorship. And do it, or I will bust you up. And and that's how I feel about it. And honestly, um, it's still how my heart. It's still how my natural reaction. It's still my reaction. Just like because I get so mad because I'm dad. It's the perks of the job. I get to say, do it, and you do it. That's how it works. This is how the relationship goes. And when you turn 18, you can, you can do your thing. 
Um, even though we all know that that's not the truth, that's not the case, okay, because we're control freaks, parent by nature, especially the ones like me who were like, because I said so. So they're going to turn 18, and then I'm going to find another way to manipulate them to do what I want, right? Uh, I'm going to be like, but you still live in my house. I still pay for your stuff. And then it's going to be like, well, I moved out. You got my car. You know, whatever it may be. But I loaned you $50 seven weeks ago, you know. I paid for your meal, whatever, because we want... Because it's hard to watch our kids do something outside of what we want from them, right? But here's what happens. In the course of doing this, we may, we may get lucky and require them and, and get the actions and the obedience that we want. In the course of just saying, you do it because I said so and that's it and I'm that. In the course of doing that, we may, they may produce the actions and the obedience that we want, but we might lose the heart in the process. We might lose their heart in the process. I can remember something, and I, you know, it's so weird. I've never thought about this in the context I'm about to tell you about until yesterday. But I was thinking about the, the, my, I was thinking about me and my parents' relationship. And I don't have a great, I didn't at the time have a great relationship with my mom. And and I remember a moment, there was a lot that happened between us. I don't have time to share all that. But I remember the moment that everything changed for me. And that was the moment that uh, she got so mad at me, she kicked me out of the house. She said, I'm done, get out. Now, at the time, I was like, sweet, I'm out. I'm done. I was fine with it. It didn't even bother me. But I didn't realize until like yesterday, so I'm going to probably need to get to see a counselor about this whole deal, that that one moment, like that one event has shaped my relationships forever. That one thought that even though it was subconscious and at the time I didn't recognize it, but that one thought that she wasn't willing to fight for me radically shaped my life, my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with people. It made me feel like that I was, that I was worth giving up on. Now, it wasn't her intention. I'm sure she was sick of it. It wasn't, I didn't think to myself, well, this is so terrible. I actually ran to my truck and drove off. But looking back on it now, that moment, that moment where she said, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. Get out. That shaped and, and, and radically had an impact on every relationship I've had since then. Because subconsciously it told me I'm not worth fighting for. So here's what happens. A lot of times we will produce the actions we want, but we will lose the heart in the process. We will produce the actions we want, but we will lose the heart in the process. And this is kind of a long journey for me as I've started to realize, like, how I parent. Because, like I said, I'm a rules guy, okay? A couple, like, eight months ago, six months ago, something like that, um, I have a son. I have three girls and a boy. My, it's girl, girl, boy, girl. And um, uh, at this point, I only had three. Jennifer was great with child. And um, we had some friends over that had just had a baby. And I was holding her because, you know, I'll be honest, I really love babies. Um, I don't care what you army dudes say. Babies are cute, and they want me to hold them. And uh, <laughs> so I was holding this baby, and I was loving on it and, and uh, you know, doing the baby talk. I won't do that for you. And my son, he's a little headstrong. Little. I don't know where he gets it from. It must be his mother because I'm not stubborn at all. And um, 
That was a joke. <laughs> you hear the people that know me laughing like, yeah. Um, and so, but I'm trying to get him to, I can't remember exactly what was going on, but I was getting frustrated. Not angry, um, because Mason is so cute and he, you know, you'll look at him like you're angry and he'll just give you the little, you know, I'm a charmer smile. And you're like, okay, just burn the house down. I don't care. And so I was, I was trying to get him, you know, Mason stop. And I can't remember the life of me what it was, but he wouldn't stop. And I had this baby in my arm. Now, my son, this is not an impressive feat, okay? I want to I wanna say that now, okay? I'm not a very strong guy. But I had the baby in one arm, and Mason just wouldn't stop doing whatever he was doing. So I got up with the baby, and, and I walked over to Mason. And I needed him to be at eye level, okay? And if you know anything about being fat and holding a baby, it's that you don't want to go down to your knees because you're going to have to come back up. And so my thought was, okay, I'm not doing that. And so I'm going to pick him up. And so I grabbed Mason, who's like was two at the time, and I picked him up and brought him right here. Okay, so I think, you know, I think he weighs 30 pounds. Woo-hoo! But and I'm, I wasn't even yelling at the, at the moment. I, I mean, I was getting there. Don't get me wrong, but I wasn't yet. And so I pick him up and I bring him eye level. I get him right here and I say, and I, I tell him whatever I tell him, which is something along the lines of, I think I told him I was going to go take him to bed. I was going to make him go to bed and making him go to bed is like, you know, like this is the worst punishment because he doesn't want to stop moving, running, breaking, you know, whatever it is he's doing at the moment. And so I'm like, if you don't stop, I'm gonna go to, you're going to go to bed. I'm going to get angry. Okay. You know, enough. And so at this moment, my two oldest daughters walk in and I've got one baby in my hand that doesn't belong to me. And I have my child, my, my son right here, just holding him with one hand and one arm. Now, Mason is deciding whether or not he should laugh because he thinks I'm about to throw him or something. But the girls see this, and I don't know if it was the intensity on my face mixed with the fact that I had him with one arm, mixed with that there was a baby in the room or what. But they walk in and they were like, and you would have thought that I had Mason by the feet and I was beating his head against something by the way they reacted to this moment. I have punished them far worse than I have punished, I've done, than that, far worse than in that moment what I did to him. I have punished them, I've gotten onto them far worse than what he was experiencing. But there was something about the visual image for both of them that was just like, that's abusive. I don't know. And so... Like, I mean, and for the rest of the night, they were like on point. Like, I was like, clean up your room. And Michaela's like on her hands and knees scrubbing the carpet. You know, like I could have eaten off the floor. I didn't even understand what was happening. I was like, straight up your room. I walk in and like, it looks like Jennifer had gone in there and just like redecorated. It looked beautiful. I took Marissa is, Michaela is usually do it, but complain while doing it. Marissa is... She can be running through the house, doing backflips, have more energy. Marissa, I need you to clean up here. I'm just so tired. <laughs> and, you know, and so, but she was like, I'm in there. I'm putting it up. You know, she's putting toys up. I've never seen her clean a room without me having to tell her over and over again. I couldn't figure out what was happening. I was like, what's going on? We just don't want you to do us like you did Mason. Mason? What do you mean? You just, you, you had him up to your eyes. Yeah? But just look like you were going to hurt him. What have I ever heard anybody in the house other than like a spanking? And so, and, but something about that radically, like, I mean, like a couple, like a month ago, they brought it up. They're like, dad, you remember that time that you did that with Mason? And I'm still so confused on what about that did it for them. If I would have known that would have caused such great behavior, I would have picked Mason up one arm with a baby in my hand long ago. 
I mean, I would have, he would have come out of the womb and I'd have been like, what up? You know, and that's how we would have done that if I'd have known that's what it was going to cost. But something about that moment, like they remember it. They remember it. Isn't it funny how that works? Like the things that your child and your children remember about when they got in trouble or when they saw a brother get in trouble. I can remember seeing my sister, even though it was rare, get in trouble as a kid and thinking, and it was like a moment, like, I'm never doing that. Of course, I got older and did worse. You know, she was eight years older than me. It was too much of a gap for me to remember. But I can remember that. Now, my sister can tell you some great stories about everything she saw because it was a marker. Like, I remember when they did that and that happened. Right? And so I don't know what it was about that moment, but it's in their minds. Hopefully forever. I'm everyone, I think I'm just going to start a regular quarterly thing and just have them come out. I'm going to be holding a baby and have Mason in the air um, and just be screaming at him maybe, you know, and just tell him it's a joke later. It won't be emotionally bad for him at all. And um, so, so the, I know like there's these moments where we just know, like we remember, okay, I shouldn't, mom and dad, that made them mad. I shouldn't. That was not fun. And I don't know what it was about me as a child, but that never registered. Ever. I remember one time getting, I knew the rules. You don't get D's and F's. Okay? Well, that was the rule. The reality was I got D's and F's. And so I remember, like, one time my parents got so mad that they literally took everything out of my room but a bed and books. And I was like, this is terrible. I couldn't play with my friends. I couldn't do anything. Next report card, period. D's and F's. It never tracked with me. I never understood. I didn't care. I didn't like school. I didn't want to be there. It was too hard. There's some people, there's some children that are just, it doesn't track with them. You'll have some people pleasers, people pleasing children, like my firstborn. She can't stand the thought that I'm even slightly upset with her. She can't stand the thought that her mom's even slightly upset with her. Marissa could care less. She could be playing with fire, and I could tell her, if you don't put that down, I'm going to hurt you. And she would start twirling it. She just doesn't care. She reminds me of me. She just doesn't care. I haven't figured out exactly how Mason is yet. And I want to I take a minute, and I want to go from there, and I want to ask the question, how do we fight for the heart? How do we fight for the heart? And so I think the best way for me to talk about this is show you, I want to show you kind of how um, God does. Because he's the ultimate father, right? He's the ultimate father, and, and he's the figure in which we should try to model our parenting out. Because if there's ever been a father that knows exactly how to parent his children and understands that each children, each children, each child needs to be parented differently, it's God. And so I want to take a minute, I just want to look at it. So we're going to go, and if you have a Bible, you can start turning there. We're going to go to Deuteronomy 6. And I just want to set the stage for you just real quick. Most, uh, the, the people of um, the Israelites are about to enter the promised land, okay? They were promised a long time ago that God was going to take them to a place with milk and honey and, and just beautiful, it's just going to be beautiful, and they're going to have everything they could ever want. And so, but because they were stubborn people, because they didn't always do what they were supposed to do, and they didn't uh, follow what God had for them, and they had trouble minding at times, there was some punishment, and they had to wait 40 years. They wandered 40 years in the desert. And then all of one generation had to die off. And Moses is getting ready to die, and he writes this letter. And he, when he's writing this letter, this is basically him transitioning his leadership of this, of, of this group of people over to a guy named Joshua. 
And so he's saying, listen, I want you guys to remember something. I mean, imagine if you're on your deathbed, you've got some people that matter to you and you matter to them, and you're going to share one thing with them. This is kind of like that. He's like, I want to remind you of some stuff. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to start right off on uh, verse uh, 4, I believe. Yeah, verse 4. So he says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Now listen, this is huge. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Now, I want to pause there for just a second, okay? I want to tell you what he's talking about. Because he says that, and it's really easy for us to skim over it and move past it, and we're supposed to love God, yeah, we know, congratulations. But he says something there, he says, whoa, it doesn't say it on there anymore. He says, love the Lord your God. Okay, love the Lord your God. And now, he's quoting something that oftentimes is missed, okay? So let me fill you in on this story just a little. Let me go just a level deeper. Back in Exodus, verse 20, and we're not going to go there. You might, If you have a Bible or you have something you take notes on, you might want to write this down. You can check it out later. Exodus, chapter 20, verse 1, um, they have just come out of, they have just escaped Israel, or Israel, Egypt, excuse me. They've just escaped, and the Pharaoh has taken, he, uh, the Pharaoh has, they've run from the Pharaoh, they've escaped him. Now, here's how this whole story begins. Mo, God comes to Moses, who was an unlikely dude, he was a stutterer, he didn't, you know, he, he was a murderer, he had done stuff. He says, hey, I'm going to use you, a broken person, and I want you to free the people. I want you to free my people. From, from Pharaoh. He says, what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to let him know, hey, I talked to God. God says, you got to let us go. So Moses thinks that's quite silly, like most would, but he does. And, and he goes to Pharaoh and he says, you got to let us go. And Pharaoh laughs and says, no way, because at that point, 95% of their economy was contingent on slave labor, which is what the Israelites were. They were slaves, right? And so finally, then God says, okay, fine. And so he brings like nine huge events on that, on Egypt. Like, he, I mean, he just kills everything. And then he, the last one he's going to do is he says, okay, I'm going to kill the firstborn child of everybody in Egypt in, in, if they don't let him go. And so he says, Moses, I want you to do this. I want you to go, and I want you to tell your people exactly what I'm about to tell you. Tell them to have, a, have an animal, kill it, you know, uh, get its blood, and then, and, and then sacrifice it, keep it good for four days. And then I want you to take the blood, and I want you to put it on the top of the door. Right? And so, and if they got the blood on the top of their door like that, I'm not going to kill their firstborn son. So they do it, bam, and then firstborn sons, done. God does some amazing acts, and then they still have to run. So they run, they run, and they run, and they come to this big river. Okay, maybe some of you have heard of it. And, and so God parts the river so they can go across and get away. So God does all of these acts, and then he says, Moses... We need to chat. Come up here to the mountain on Mount Sinai. I'm going to give you something that we will later know as the Ten Commandments. Right? Everybody familiar with the Ten Commandments? Surely you've heard of it. Okay? And he's about to give him ten rules that he wants him to live by. Now, the way he starts that conversation is so incredibly important to us as Christians, to us as people, but to us as parents, too. Because he says, I am the Lord your God. That's what the verse 20 says. I mean, verse 1 says, before he says anything, before he says, thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that, thou shalt not this. He says, I am the Lord your God. So when we get here to De- Deuteronomy and we see him saying, the Lord your God, he's taking them back to that moment. 
He's taking them back and he's saying, do you remember when we were slaves with Pharaoh? Do you remember when we were, uh, when we were trapped and then we had to run and God parted seas and killed firstborn children and, and brought like nine impressive acts of God to get Pharaoh to let us go? Do you remember that? Because I don't want you to forget because he is the Lord, our God. And God at that moment when he tells them in Exodus 20, listen, I am the Lord, your God. He was letting them know. I'm not just a God. I'm not just some random God. I am your God. I fought for you. I came after you. I came for you. I went followed you to the ends of the earth. And I parted seas and I killed people because you matter. And he initiates their story with relationship. And then says... Hey, there's some things I need to tell you. See, if we process the Ten Commandments through that sentence, I am the Lord, your God, the Lord. You remember the God that freed you from slavery? You know, the God that killed the first, the God that did nine impressive acts, the God that parted the seas, the God that's going to take you to a land that is rich and running with milk and honey. I'm that God, and I did that for you because I'm your God, and I love you, and I adore you, and I fight for you. Now, how many of us have some things like some just normal rules? Like when the stove's on, don't be near it. Raise your hand. Anybody? You let your kid, I mean, I'll, I, sometimes I'll let my kids, but just for fun. See what's going to happen. Right? Now, why do we do that? Okay? Is it because we don't want them to hurt the stove? No. Because we, wa- we want them to be safe. Right? We don't want them to burn our hand, their hands. I mean, as parents, we don't want to see our children in any kind of pain. Right? We, I mean, I don't know about you guys, I would lay down in front of a train so my children wouldn't have to feel any pain. And so when he says, I'm the Lord, your God, like I love you and I came after you, then we understand that the rules that he's about to give us, those commandments that he's about to give us, aren't because he's some mean God that wants to hold us back, but he wants to save us because he understands the outcome if we break them. Does that make sense? If you don't honor your mother and father, if you don't honor them, then there's going to be pain for that later because it's going to affect your relationships. If you don't make me your one and only God, then there's going to be some pain for that and there's going to build walls up and it's going to hurt your relationships. If you have idols, then that's going to get in your heart and there's going to be some bridges and some walls up between us. And, and so I want you to understand, I'm not giving you these rules because I'm mean and I want to watch you do them. I'm giving you these rules. I'm giving you these commandments because I'm the Lord, your God, and I love you and I fought for you. And so what I need you to understand is I'm giving you these rules because they're an umbrella of protection. Right? Everybody tracking? Now, obviously, we have some rules like that, right? For instance, please don't go play in traffic. Okay? Don't play with fire near the house. (laughs) Or at all. (laughs) That was awesome. You can play with it out there, but nice. Don't drive a car when you're five. You know, there's some rules we have. You can't be at home by yourself. Don't stick your finger into the electrical outlet. Okay? Don't take your bat and hit my flat screen TV as hard as you can repeatedly. There's some rules because we understand, like, the outcome is not going to go so well. I don't think that Mason thinks to himself as a three-year-old when he walks up to the stove and he's like, why is that red on top? This is going to hurt, but let's do it. That's not how it works. 
Because he doesn't understand because he's very immature in his faith. I mean, in his walk, excuse me, in his life. He's very immature in who he is. He doesn't understand that there are certain, there are certain actions that will lead to a consequence. There are certain actions that will hurt him and hurt him in the long run and will scar him. And so God's saying, I'm the Lord, your God. And here's some rules. And listen, they're not for me, before you so that we can be in right relationship and walls don't get built up because these things have far worse consequences later than you can possibly realize now. So that's what he's saying, okay? And I wanted to stop there. I don't want to miss that because that's so big and we just skip over it and we're like, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, whatever, it's Old Testament. No, it matters because it's an example of how God is fathering us. He's letting us know, I'm your God. I'm the Lord, your God. I fought for you. I freed you. Now I want to help you some more. Here's some guidelines. Here's an umbrella of protection for you because you don't understand the consequences of what you're going to do because your faith is immature, right? Okay, so let's keep reading, sorry. Verse 6. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, while you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, he goes through this and he says, listen, listen, check this out. Please don't let your kids forget what I did for you. Please don't let your kids forget everything we've been through. Please don't let your children forget everything we've gone through together. Because we're going to put a generation between us, and it's not going to be as fresh to them as it is to you. And they're going to be immature, and they're not going to understand, and they're not going to really understand this whole faith thing. And you've got to protect them. And you've got to let them know, like, God loves us, and God is for us, and God is with us, and he fought for us. But when we made mistakes, he put real consequences in place. Okay? When they complained about the manna from heaven, and he stopped giving it, that was a real consequence. When they did some other stuff and he drops a snake that's poisonous and bites and kills a ton of people until finally they have to say, okay, here's a snake on a pole and if you'll see it, then you'll be healed. There, all these, they, he did that and God is intentional to, to discipline us because he loves us and because he wants us to remember. Do you remember when you did that? Remember the consequence of that? Avoid it. Run from it. Get away from it. That's why it's important for us to, yes, when I say fight for the heart, I'm saying you fight for your heart with them and you fight for their relationship with God. But love is not love apart from discipline and accountability. Do you understand that? Okay? So you still hold your children accountable. You still give them discipline. Discipline that matters. But you start fighting about the right things. Because here's what, I'm, what, I, what I pick up from Exodus and Deuteronomy. That relationship always comes before the rules. Relationship comes before the rules. You have to have the relationship so that they can understand, oh dear, on a, on a basic level, that the rules are not for you to be mean and hateful, but they're an umbrella of protection for your children. Because here's, what's ha- here's what happens. We start fighting with them, right? Some of you got teenagers. Should, I should get an amen or something, okay? Because I work with teenagers, so I understand. When I get tired of them, I just send them to you, though. I wondered, I was like, that was funny in there. I thought it was funny. We all understand that, right? Like, it's a fight, and we start fighting with them. And, you know, let's be honest. Men, we're prideful, and so if we're going to fight, we're going to win. Right? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's the way I am. I have to, I mean, when I fight with my wife, I have to remember, 
I don't need to win. I don't have to win. I don't have to win. I don't have to win because when I win, nobody wins. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. And so we start fighting with them. Listen, this is huge. We start fighting with them, and here's what happens. Walls build up. Walls build up between the relationship. Relationships get jeopardized. They don't really worry about what we say and why we're saying it because we're fighting with them. And we've got to make a transition in thought from fighting with them to fighting for them. Because when we fight for them, we want them to win. Not the argument, but in life. We want, them to, we want to understand that our relationship with them is going to, now is going to pay off huge dividends later. Not only for us, but for their life and their relationships with other people. And Moses really keenly understood this because he's like, you've got to tell them constantly. You have to remind them constantly. When they say, why do we have to follow these stupid rules? Okay, you ever heard that? That's a dumb rule. I hear it all the time from my children and from yours, that you have dumb rules, okay? So no, I'm not saying it's what it is. I'm just telling you that's what they tell me. Go home and spank them. Um, so, but you transition from, oh, it's dumb rules to, I fight. I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting for your life. Okay, why do I have to do these stupid rules? Moses wants them to tell him, dude, we were slaves. We were slaves, and then God came after us and fought for us and freed us and parted seas and killed people so that we could be free. And then he still, after we let him down time and time and time again, he still, 40 years later, allows us to enter the promised land. He still gave us the land that he promised us that he would give us. It cost, but he still had the love of the Father. And as a parent... You've got to make a transition from fighting with them to fighting for them and understanding that the relationship comes before the rules. The relationship comes before the rules. Now, some of you say, well, Ryan, I know that. Okay, I love my children. That's why I yell at them. I get it. Okay, I love Michaela and and Marissa and Mason. I love Mercy. I just haven't had the opportunity to yell at her yet. But do you think that your child, there are adults in this room that I could walk up to right now and say something very hard that you needed to hear. I could say something very, that was true and that is right on and that is accountability that you need in your life and tell you something that is nothing but truth and tell you with grace and love as your pastor and say, this is a problem for you, fix it. And you would be mad at me. You would be infuriated with me. You would equate what I just said to you with love because we separate the two. Well, we expect our five-year-olds to know the difference. I'm yelling at you because I love you. Why don't you understand that? Go to your room. They don't understand. And now listen, I am, as I wrote this message, as I'm preaching this message, God is convicting me, okay? And, and it, what I mean by convicting is he is showing me the error of my ways. He's pulling back some of my curtains and some of my stuff that I've hidden in dark places, and he's illuminating them, saying, this stuff you need to work on, brother. So I'm preaching to you, not as somebody who's got it figured out, but somebody needs to work on it, because my children, at times, infuriate me, okay? And so, and sometimes, when I get infuriated, I yell. And I say things in a tone I shouldn't say them in. And I forget that I love them, and that that needs to be first, and that I need to fight for them. Right? That ever happened to anybody? It's just me. And God's telling them, listen, God's saying right here, listen, don't get mad at them. Don't get frustrated with them because they're immature in their faith. They won't understand. You've got to remind them of what happened. 
You've got to remind them of what I did for them, of how I fought for them. That's why you parents need to share your stories of how you came together and what happened with your children. You need to share your, your stories of how they were born and how you felt when you held them for the first time and how much you loved them and fought for them and you'd do anything for them. You need to share those stories with your children, even from the age that you don't think they understand it, so they know, they know that they matter and that they were important and that you fought for them and you went the extra mile for them. You just need to share them. And that's what Moses is saying. Like, dude, remind them, okay, because these are going to seem stupid. They're not going to understand that I'm protecting them and that I'm loving them with the Ten Commandments. They're not going to understand the rules. You've got to tell them, remember, God fought for us. You need to be able to tell your kids, I fought for you. God fought for you. God initiated a relationship with you by creating you and coming for you and sending his son to die for you. He initiated the relationship with you because his relationship comes before his rules because his rules aren't meant to confine us and hurt us, but they're made to free us so that we can live without pain and live in freedom. Does it make sense? Tracking? Yeah? Good? Hope so? Maybe not? Tomorrow I'll get fired if so. Just kidding. Okay, let's skip over, okay? Here's what happens. The next few verses, he breaks down. You're going into a land rich with milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. Uh, there's going to be stuff everywhere. Go nuts. Have a good time. Um, I mean, within reason, obviously. And um, he just goes over, and then he revisits the Ten Commandments in his own words. And then we pick up, we're going to pick up as he closes out. Verse 20. In the future, your children will ask you, like I just said, they just, he puts it nicer. What are the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Then you must tell them, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will count it as righteous when we obey his commands the Lord our God has given us. Now, I'm going to touch on this just really quickly. And then I want to kind of apply this because I've given you a big thought, okay? Um, Moses does something really interesting in these passages, passages of Scripture. And, um, and, and I, I don't have a degree in theology, okay? So I'm just telling you how I read it. Moses, for the first time, connects love to obedience. Right? Moses, for the first time, says, okay, we don't obey just out of fear. But we obey because of what he's done for us and because we love him. This is the first picture that we see where it's said and it's spoken out loud where in, that, that I've found in the Bible where he's saying, listen, listen, this is important. I don't want you to miss this. We obey God because of what he's done for us. And because he loves us, we don't obey God so that he will love us. Does that make sense? We don't try to gain his approval. We don't try to do things so that he will love us. But we do things because we understand that he does love us. He does accept us. And out of that flows obedience and righteousness. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me? So that's what he's doing. He's connecting the two. He's saying obedience and love are interconnected. You can't have, you can't have one without the other. You obey me because I love you and because I've, out of that love... You have grown in relationship with me. You've grown in your faith. You love me and you obey me to be a sign of that's what happens. When, you know, so you're following what God wants for you because he loves you. You're not following what God wants for you so that he will love you. 
This is huge. Moses connects the two. Obedience, love, brings them together and says, no, no, no. You don't get to separate them. I love you, but I don't want to do what you say. No, they're together. Out of love, out of a heart full of love, comes obedience. You don't, Some of you and me and all of us, it happens. We've forgotten to make sure that first and foremost with our mouth and with our time and with our words, that our kids know that we're absolutely crazy about them. And that when I tell you to do something, you may not like it, but I love you and I'm going to prove it. I'm more than words. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to do things with you. I'm going to do the things you want to do. We're going to wrestle on the floor. We're going to throw you around. You're going to bleed sometimes. It's going to be awesome for dad. You know, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, and I'm going to love you, but at times dad's going to say, nah. I'm going to invest into you, and I'm going to pour into you, and I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to spend time with you. And out of that love that I give you, I, I, there needs to be an obedience that flows from the heart. You need to do what I'm telling you to do because I know what's best. I've seen the future on this one. Right? And so that's what Moses is doing. He's connecting the dots. He's saying, love and obedience, they're the same. Obedience flows out of a heart that is full with love. And so we've got to figure out how do we fight for the heart of our children? How do we fight for the heart of our children and still be able to hold them accountable and discipline them? Right? Because if, if, any, if we all had the answer for that, you wouldn't need me up here and we would have an amazingly wonderful community and there would be nothing that ever goes wrong. Don't misunderstand me. I love our community. I'm just saying we would have like the greatest community ever if we understood this. Okay, I know. I'm supposed to love them. I do love them. I, 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 but how do we show that through our lives? Right? So, this one I'm gonna, that's how I'm going to apply. I don't normally do, like, six things to, like, a, I don't like that, but this was good, and I liked it, and I thought it would be a perfect way to land a really big plane. Okay? So, Ephesians 6, 3 and 4. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, Bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, I love Paul. He's so, he just, he blows my mind. And he always does this. He always puts it like, if you honor your father and mother, things will go well. Fathers, don't provoke your children. And, you know, in some ways he's saying, kids, honor your mother and and father. This will go well. Dads, if you want your children to honor you, then don't provoke them. Right? He's letting you know, like, one doesn't really work without the other. You don't get to demand honor and stuff. I mean, you can, but in the long run, it's going to hurt you if you continuously provoke them and hurt them, right? Does that make sense? So he, he does that all through Scripture, all through the books he writes, especially when he's talking about marriage and, and children relationships. And so if you take notes, I want you to write this down. It's really easy. Um, if you don't take notes, just memorize it, text it, whatever. Time plus talk equals relationship. Time plus talk equals relationship. That's the application. Time plus talk equals relationship. So what's time mean? Okay, let me tell you. I am the king of multitasking, okay? I used to say that ADD was bad, but I've learned that if utilized in the correct way, it can make me a very efficient person when needs be. So I can be there and listening to what you're saying and, and doing 15 other things, okay? And so I can sit in my living room with my children while they run around and, and I can send 75 emails back to the people I need to respond to. I can get ready for whatever event is coming. I can do both. I can be there. But when I say time, time, I mean you actually spend time with just them, engaging in them. 
okay? I mean, we all have smartphones. I can Facebook it, Twitter it, email. I can, you know, I can do my taxes on the phone and be hanging out with my kids. But I'm not really there, okay? Because one of them walks up to me and they're like, hey, dad, I'm going to set this Barbie on fire. And I'm doing 15 things and I'm like, perfect. Go for it. Why is that on fire? That's what happens because I'm multi time with them. Parents, if you have a teenager, you are the, I mean, I can't express to you. They will act like they hate it. They will act like they don't want it. They don't want to do it. They will make you question why you did it. But make them. Make them do it. Make them spend time with you. Because you'll find out that they'll turn and they'll be 30, 25, 30, and they'll be like, that was the greatest memories. Those times I hung out with my mom and my dad and they were just focused on me. Time. I can't tell you how often I hear students say, but, I mean, from parents that are great parents that love their kids, I just never get to see them. They're workaholics. I never get to hang out with them. I just, I, I want to spend time with them. Spend time with your kids. Because what you do is far more important than what you say. Time plus talk, okay? Now, here's the deal. Hanging out with them is not an opportune time for them to have your full attention so you can lecture them, Okay? And tell them why they can do better and what college applications they need to be working on. And, you know, that they better have straight A's. Okay, they're five. They don't need a college application yet. Um, you know, I'm always on Michaela about her grades because I think she may be the smartest person I know. And if she doesn't even have to try and she gets A's. But I want her to have like 110s because I think she can get 110s. We all want our kids to reach full potential. But hanging out with them, time, and then the talk is not you talking about what you want to talk about. It's about engaging them in conversation about what matters to them. Why do they watch that stupid show that comes on and you automatically think homicidal thoughts? You know what I'm saying? The one that you walk in and you're like, oh my God, I just got so angry. I can't even. That, that one, like Spongebob and that stupid song that I walk around singing like four days a week. That song. Okay, not that I would let my kids watch something as terrible as Spongebob. But I'm just kidding. But... Um, you know, that, why do you like that? Why do you, well, tell me why you like that show. It's just so funny. You know, and if they're young, it's not going to make any sense. If they're teenagers, hopefully they're not watching Spongebob, okay? But engage them in conversation about what matters to them. Not what you want to talk about so that you can lecture them, but what matters to them. Time plus talk equals relationship. Because as parents, hear me guys. As parents, we have got to begin fighting for the lives of our children and fighting for the hearts of our children because they want and they long to be a part of a bigger story and something that is bigger than them. And if we don't fight for their heart, they will give it away to something else. And fighting for their heart means that we fight for our relationship with them and we fight for their relationship with God. So time plus talk equals relationship. But the rule, I mean, excuse me, the relationship always comes before the rules. Time plus talk equals relationship. I want to end with thought, one of the thoughts I talked about at the beginning. When we fight with them, walls are built up. Relationships are jeopardized. And we lose their heart. When we fight for them, walls are tore down. Relationships are elevated. And we have their heart. And out of the fact that they love us and we love them, obedience flows. Relationship comes before the rules. Let's pray. Father, we thank you right now um, that you give us this beautiful gift of children, that you give us this beautiful 
beautiful um, uh, gift of, of having children and getting to um, make them into who you want them to be. And, and having these beautiful children that um, we get to be involved in their lives and we get to love them and we get to be loved by them and we get to hold them and be a part of their lives. Father, we just, it's a, parenting is a beautiful gift. And we're so thankful for that gift and we thank you so much for the opportunity to be parents. And Father, we thank you for our children and the way that you created them and molded them and made them long before you ever created anything else. You knew what they were going to be and you knew that they, we were going to be their parents and we just thank you for them. But Father, we know that things happen and life gets busy and, and things get tough and sometimes we forget to get focused on the relationship. And we start focusing on the rules. We get focused on obedience and we start to forget about the love. And Father, I just ask that you'll work on each parent this week to do one thing that will allow them to start building relationship with their children. Because Father, we know that we're in a world where things distract them and things pull from them. And that there's all kinds of things that are going and hunting after their heart in their lives. And Father, we just ask that we would be disciplined and we would fight the good fight and we would make sure that we fight for their heart so that we can fight for relationship with them and we can fight for their relationship with you. Because, Father, you truly are what changes lives. Your love truly is what can change lives. So, Father, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do through these parents this week. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen.